you need to do. Go in for a free consultation. Their number is 72. Mike Rowe here for one hour today. Chuck is jogging. Are you worried about the markets? How Please find out about the latest technology to give you silence. They're having a free seminar to talk about this brand new technology that's in the world. Oh, no. everybody doing? Um, on behalf of all the staff, we are so glad that you are um, getting ready to celebrate Christmas with us. Can you believe it's only one week till Christmas Day? Um, it has caught me by surprise, though the snow this weekend and the bitterly cold weather has actually kind of catapulted me into, uh, into the, the season spirit. I don't know about you guys, but uh, it has helped me to, oh, oh yeah, it is Christmas. It's coming soon. Hey, one quick announcement that I uh, need to give to everybody, and that is this. Just as quickly as Christmas is coming, uh, the end of the year will come as well. And we legally have to let everybody know that if you want tax um, if you want the, your donations to be um, deductible on your tax returns, you have to have those in by the 31st at midnight. And so here is something that you, I need you guys, especially on Sunday morning here, to be thinking about. This is your last Sunday morning service of this year. The next one that you would come to would be January 1st of 2017. And so be thinking about that because if you have year-end giving that you want to do, you either need to do it this weekend, you can bring it to our Christmas Eve service, or bring it by any one of uh, the campuses um, through that last week, but it has to be in by Saturday evening, the 31st, by midnight. And so if you really find yourself uh, late, you can go to the Highlands Ranch campus. They're having a big New Year's Eve celebration from 9 to midnight um, on the 31st, and you could drop the check off right there. And, and enjoy the new year with them if you would like to. So uh, that's it for the announcements. Um, I'm going to open up with a word of prayer. I'm just so excited to be able to share a part of the sound of Christmas with you. And I just want to ask the Lord to speak through me. And I pray that uh, he would speak to you as, as we go into this. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, that you gave to us. And the truth that he came and brought joy into this world. And so, Lord, I pray that you would communicate through me uh, the heart of the message that you have for every person to hear this weekend. And, Lord, I pray that as I communicate these words, that it would penetrate into the hearts of every person and that you would change us, God. Help us to have a joyful Christmas this year. Help us to grab a hold of these words and understand them so that we can enjoy every moment celebrating the gift that you gave to us in your son, Jesus. And, Lord, we pray, pray these things in your name. And everybody said... Amen, amen. Well, in 1689, it was after a Sunday service when a 15-year-old, his name was Isaac Watts, he began to complain about the atrocious worship at his church. I'm not gonna ask you what you think of our worship, but I will just leave this right here 
It's a different message. But one of the deacons of the church, a very wise man, he actually challenged him. And maybe if, I mean, I love all of our worship pastors and the worship they bring, but I know we, we from time to time get comments about it. Hey, maybe I would challenge you like this deacon challenged this 15-year-old man. And this is what uh, he challenged him with. He said, if you don't like it, young man, why don't you give us something better? And Isaac Watts at that time began to pen at 15 years old his first hymn, The Church is Used. Now, the interesting thing is through the course of his life, this man, Isaac Watts, wrote nearly 750 hymns that the church sings even to this day. One of those hymns that he wrote in his lifetime is the one that I wanna talk about this morning with you, and that was a song that we all know, and it is called Joy to the World. Isn't that interesting that a young man who thought the worship of the church was atrocious, was inspired and challenged by a wise deacon. And in the midst of that, he actually penned one of the most famous Christmas songs of all time in Joy to the World. As a matter of fact, in the common era, Joy to the World is the second most recorded song only behind Silent Night. It is recorded has been recorded the second most of all songs. Now I wanna read through the verses of this song real quick because as Pastor Marcus spoke last week, so many times we know what the first verse is, but I'm willing to bet a vast majority of us in here have no clue what the third verse of Joy to the World says. So let's go through this. And as I read through this, I want you to think about the truth and, and the wisdom that was penned in this hymn. It says this, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Second verse says this, joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains. Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Third verse no more let sins and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. Ooh, isn't that a deep verse in that song? And most times we skip right over it, don't even know it. And the last one, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love, and wonders of his love, and wonders and wonders of his love. Now, here's, here's the truth of this song. There's great meaning, there's great spiritual depth to that, and when Isaac Watts actually penned this, I think uh, that you will notice that there's no mention of shepherds, there's no mention of angels, uh, no mention of any of the elements of Christmas, uh, because I wanna teach you something that I found out, which was in, pretty amazing to me, was this, joy to the world, was not a Christmas song. It's the second popular song of Christmas time, and it wasn't a Christmas song. What was it? It was actually a song about the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's based on Psalms 98. Let me make sure I get that right. Yep, Psalms 98, and I encourage you to go home and read that, but it had to do with the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we sing that song during Christmas, I hope that you will never forget that yes, 
hey, we can rejoice that our Savior has come to this earth, which is what Christmas is all about. But when we sing joy to the world, it goes beyond the fact that a little baby was born in a manger. But it goes on to that baby died for our sins. He rose again, and in the promises that he's going to come back and bring us to our eternal home. Joy to the world. Amen. Amen. Oh, now, you guys, I, maybe it's just really cold out there. Maybe it's really cold. You know what? I, I wonder... I wonder if the, 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 the response is, is because, man, I don't know if we have a good handle and a good understanding of what joy is. And so I posted on Facebook a question. I said this, when I say the word joy, what comes to mind? And I got all kinds of great responses. I want to share a few with you. The first one, which I thought was great, um, was dish soap. I'm like, okay, I can see that coming to mind. Joy is, is a dish soap, okay. How about this one? Snoopy doing his manic happy dance. I was gonna try to do it, but I decided, no, that would be bad. Here's a few of the really good ones I thought that came in. Realizing that the one who made me always loves me first, no matter what. And the more I am aware of his presence, the more I feel joy. That was a pretty good one. How about this one? True joy comes from knowing your calling and following the Holy Spirit every day. When you know, when you know you've chosen the tough, narrow path, but yet you stick with it. That had some pretty good insight into it. This was a response that came. Joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering, but it is the presence of God. That okay, that was pretty good. Many people wrote, My kids. When I think of joy, I think of my kids or my grandkids. Other people put, My spouse or my family or friends who love me. Absolutely. Many people put, um, When I think of joy, I think of nature. Okay? Or being in nature. I had several people actually write this When I have a heart of gratitude is when I think of joy. And isn't that true? When you think about all the things that you've been given and you're grateful for those things, man, yeah, joy and, and gladness comes from the heart. But here's the thing that I wanna bring out in, in having all of those different responses. It is quite clear to me <clears throat> that we do not have a good understanding of what joy really is because it was all over the board. I had almost 100 responses and it was just all over the place. And so real quickly, I want to go biblically into what is joy? It comes from the Greek word kara, and it means this, gladness, calm delight, the awareness of God's grace and favor. Calmness, sorry, gladness, calm delight, and the awareness of God's grace and favor. Now, here's the thing that jumped out at me. This word kara is a noun. Now we're gonna have a little interactive portion of the service. When you grew up in grammar school, you learned about different parts of our language and a noun is a? Well, we're gonna try this again. A noun is a? Person, place, or thing. Now, when you think about joy, do you think of a person, place, or thing? No, typically I think people think of feelings. Church, joy is not a feeling. 
It's a position. It is a position. And so I started to research this a little bit and I, I found out that it actually comes from the root word. I gotta pronounce this right. Cherry, C-H-A-I-R-O, Cherry-O-R-O, okay? And it means to rejoice, to be glad, and to be cheerful. And it is a verb. Now, going back to English again, what is a verb? Action. And we understand this when we think about love because we have often quoted and said love is a verb. It's a decision. It's a choice. It's an action that we do. Church, in the same way, joy is a verb. It comes from a root word that is a verb, which is an action to be cheerful, to be glad. And here's the cool thing that I believe the Lord showed me is that when we make the decision to be glad, we become the person of joy. Let me say that again. When we choose to make the action to be cheerful or to be glad in whatever circumstances we're facing, what happens then is we become that noun, that person of joy. If I were to say, and I'm not gonna look at anybody, I'm just gonna point at this tree and pretend that this is a man. It, that man is an angry man. You don't associate that man with feelings. You actually associate that man with a characteristic that he's got a grumpy face, that he's just, and you know what? The truth is many people think that God is an angry God and that's just not true. God is a loving God. I love what Pastor John says. If God wanted to get you, you'd be gotten already. He's a loving God. And he wants us to understand that and he wants us to become joyful people. Not feelings of joy. You know, we commonly mistake joy with happiness. Joy is a position. That's the best word I could come up with, but it's a position. And when we choose to make the actions of joy, we actually become a person of joy. Okay, I gotta, I gotta keep moving here. Nehemiah says this about joy. He says, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many of you wanna be strong in here this morning? About half of us, that's interesting. I'm gonna try again. How many of you wanna be strong in here this morning? Yes, okay, good, I'm in the right place. In order to have strength to face different circumstances, to face different trials, you, according to the Bible, need to have joy. You need to have joy. Here's another thing I know about joy. Joy is contagious. Do something for me right now. Everybody smile. Do you know that when you smile like that, there are endorphins and things that go off in your brain that actually set the mood of who you are as a person? Do we live in a time that people are smiling or frowning more? And during this season? You know what? If you don't get anything else out of this this morning, I hope that as you go to the mall the rest of this week, you'll just drive in the parking lot and smile. <laughs> It'll change how you respond. And therefore, because you do that action, you could become a person that is joy. Isn't that good? Hey, I want to prove to you that it is contagious by showing you a little video. Um, this video that mo uh, many of you probably have already seen, it was the fastest spreading viral video of 2016. Um, it is a lady who happens to uh, uh, have 
purchased a Star Wars character, caricature. And uh, you see, some people are already laughing because they know what it is. Um, and she just found just great joy in this. And see if it doesn't catch over to you. See if you can keep from smiling as you watch this video. Go ahead and show it. I gotta take off my glasses for it. <laughs> oh, naturally. Okay, here we go. So, yes! Now watch when my mouth actually moves. <laughs> That's not me making that noise, it's the mask! Here, listen. Some of the most precious times of my life has been with my family doing a game night or something and something spontaneous comes out and somebody starts laughing and they can't stop and it goes out throughout the room and everybody in the room starts to laugh and, and it's just, it's medicine to the soul when we laugh like that and we, and we have great joy like that. And I think it's very important to understand that as we head to this last week of Christmas, you know what God's heart is? Is that we would have great joy. That we, we would be people that would sing joy to the world. Now, if you're here and you didn't smile or laugh at that at all, this message is for you. <laughs> it's for you. So before I go into, okay, what do we do so that we may obtain joy? I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about what brings him great joy. Because really, we need to model after our heavenly father. And we need to understand what brings him great joy. And then we can understand what can help us to become people of joy. And so just a few things that I put in, in your note. What brings our heavenly father joy? The first thing that you're going to write in the blank there is salvation. Do you know that I believe that the thing that brings our Heavenly Father the greatest joy is when you and I give our hearts over to the Lord. We celebrate at Christmas, not Santa Claus and not Christmas gifts and not all of the accoutrements that come with Christmas. Christmas is about the birth of Jesus Christ. I don't care what the world tells you it's about. That's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating and reminding ourselves of the birth of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal, everlasting life. You know that sign in the football games in John 3, 16, that's held up. At, you know, that's that verse right there. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 10. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now that word repents, 
You know, you hear it when you leave a football game or something like, repent, you're going to hell. That's, that's not very effective, is it? Because people don't understand truly what that means. You know what? The word repent simply means to change the way I think about things. And what God wants us to understand is that when we understand that he loved us so much that he gave his one and only son that we could have eternal everlasting life, when we change our mind and our thinking to understanding that, that's repenting. And it says that God and the angels rejoice in heaven every time one of us makes that decision. How cool is that? And it brings him great joy. The second thing that brings our heavenly father great joy is relationship. John 17, 21, Jesus is praying and he says this, I pray that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. What is Jesus saying there? He is saying, may we understand our relationship that we have, that I died on the cross, that I rose from the grave, not only to forgive their sins and so that they could have eternal everlasting life, but so that they could have relationship with us, Father. Jesus said, it's better that I go so that you may receive the Holy Spirit so that you will know what the Father has for you. One of the people said that joy means that you walk in your calling. Why are you here on this earth? Well, you know what? Your heavenly father who created you wants to tell you why you're here. And it comes from a walking, talking relationship. Church, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And maybe this is the first time you've ever heard that. It's not about all these things that we do or we don't do. It's solely about what God did for us and the fact that he wants to have a walking, talking relationship with us. You know, we live in a world where things are getting really cloudy and really confused and sayings like this, well, all paths and all religions lead to the same place. Church, that is not true. Do you know that Christianity is the only belief system that solely has to do with Jesus and what he did on the cross? Every other religious system has a order of do's and don'ts in order for you to obtain a certain level of nirvana or a place in heaven or whatever it is. Christianity, though, is solely based on the gift that we celebrate at Christmas time. Joy to the world! Amen. It's what separates us and it brings our Heavenly Father great joy when we understand that and walk in salvation and have relationship with Him. And then this last one, when we enjoy or when we have an enjoyment of life. John 15, 11 says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that you, your joy may be complete. Another section in John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Our heavenly father church wants us to enjoy life. And I believe with all my heart that what brings him great joy is when we understand the salvation that he has given to us through his son, Jesus, when we walk in relationship with him and when we truly enjoy life. I don't want you to answer this question but are you enjoying life? Because if you would say no to that, then something's off. And so let's talk about that. What brings us joy? How do we obtain joy? Man, we were talking about this as the teaching team and somebody actually brought up this verse and it just, you know, the Holy Spirit went, <gasps> go after that. And so I started uh, researching it and the verse is found in Romans Chapter 14, verse 17, I've heard this verse hundreds, if not thousands of times. I'm sure you've heard this verse. 
Paul writes this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it is of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Again, very common verse, for the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing that jumped out to me. Could it be that this verse is actually a progression, meaning that you have to have righteousness before you can have peace, and you have to have peace before you become a person of joy. Think about that. What does that mean if that's the case? Well, here's what righteousness means. Righteousness, if you look it up and study it out, it means to be in right standing. Right standing. And if you're not in right standing with our Heavenly Father, it is going to be very difficult to have joy, isn't it? As a matter of fact, it's very difficult to have peace if you're not in right standing. Once again, we come to this final week before Christmas, and to be honest with you, there are a portion of you that are so filled with joy because you love Christmas. But then there are other people listening to me right now that are dreading this week. And I would ask you why. Could it be that you're not in right standing? So what does right standing look like? Well, first and foremost, church, right standing starts with asking Jesus into your heart. We've talked about that, but I want to just mention it one more time. If you are here and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, God so loved you that he gave his son, he died a brutal death, and he took the weight of all of our sins on himself so that we could have that right standing. And Romans 10, 9 says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you are saved. And in order for this message to work out, I'll say this, then you are in right standing. When you've asked Jesus into your heart, but it doesn't stop there because God also wants us to have relationship with him. He also wants us to enjoy life. And so we have to crack open the book called the Bible, which is actually more than just a book. It's 66 different books written by several different authors in a time span of 1,500 years. The mere fact that those authors could write a common theme in one collection of books over 1,500 years is actually a miracle. You cannot find that anywhere else in literature. So many different proofs about the Bible and how authentic and real it is. I don't have the time to go into it. I teach a class this spring called Foundations. Go. Um, so the Bible, if you want to be in right standing, our Heavenly Father has given us an instruction manual called the Bible that helps us to live a life in right standing. Because here's, here's we brought it up, but here's an example. If you think God is an angry God, a mean, austere, gray, beard, gray-headed, austere, mean God, then you're not going to have a right understanding of how he has created you for a plan and for a purpose. You're always going to think that he's out to get you. Therefore, you always are going to feel like you have to earn a place in heaven. And the truth is, that doesn't bring peace, does it? And if it is a progression, if you can't have peace, then there's no way to be a person of joy. You have to understand that our heavenly father is a loving father. 
He knows the number of hair on your head. He knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. And he has a plan and he has a purpose. He has a desire for you to understand what that is. And his greatest joy is fulfilled when you hear that and begin to walk in that. And when you start to walk in that, what's amazing is that as you do that, you become in right standing with your purpose and plan. And that brings great peace to you, doesn't it? And when that peace comes, then all of a sudden you become a person of joy. God wants us to grab a hold of this. He wants us to understand these things. And it is a litmus test, a dashboard indicator light of your car. You know, when the oil light comes on, you better go do something about that. If your gas light comes on, if you don't do something about that, you're gonna be stranded. When this little light where there's no peace comes on, let it be an indicator to point you back. Heavenly Father, help me to understand where I'm off in right standing with you. Because when we get into that right standing, then what begins to happen is peace can enter into our world and into our lives. You know, Philippians says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in, through everything, through prayer and supplication, bring these things before the Lord. And then it says this, and then he will give you the peace that goes beyond understanding. And when you have that peace that goes beyond understanding, then all of a sudden you become a person of joy. And then that verse in James, chapter one, verse two, that says this, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, doesn't bother you. Because then you begin to realize that those trials are actually a litmus test to see where your position in joy is. Good? Okay. So some of you may say, well, Pastor Dan, I feel like I am in right standing with the Lord. I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of that. Um, but I still struggle as we head into this last week um, to really have joy. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to bring this up. Not only do we have to have right standing with our heavenly father, but I believe that we have to have right standing with one another. Any of you ever had difficulty having joy when you're not in right standing with another neighbor, family member, or friend? It's hard, isn't it? And so I think a lot of times as we enter into Thanksgiving even, but as we head in towards Christmas, a lot of times people don't look forward to this time because they know they have to deal with uncle fill in the blank. Or my sister and I just don't get along. And when that is not in right standing, then it's really hard to have peace and joy. <laughs> Doing all right? So what do we do about that? Well, we have to bring it before the Lord. And we have to understand that um, if God wants us to have a relationship with him, and we're created in his image, then we have to understand that God also wants us to have a relationship with others. And we have to do, the word of God says, we have to do whatever we can to have peace with our brothers and our sisters, with our neighbors and our coworkers. And sometimes you do everything that you could possibly do. And if you can stand before the Lord and say, I've done everything I can to have reconcile this, to have peace with this relationship and, and to, to make this right, but they won't respond, 
then at least you can still have joy because you know you've done everything that you could. But for the vast majority of people who have relationship issues, the truth is we run away from them, we don't run towards them. We don't try to fix them, we try to get away from them, we try to avoid those things. And church, I'm here to say that we have a week here before Christmas that I believe for some people, God wants you to go to him and ask him what it means to actually truly pursue peace with other family members or neighbors. And I would encourage you, be so bold to step out and do what he's asking you to do. Because when you have done that, here's what'll happen. No matter how they respond, God can then bring peace into your life, which then ultimately will help you become a person of joy. And I think everybody here would love to head into Christmas next weekend and go, oh man, this has been the best Christmas ever. I enjoyed this Christmas more than any other Christmas. And I think we can do that when we get in right standing, not only with our Heavenly Father, but with other people that God wants to sharpen us with as we head into this, this time. I will conclude with uh, reading this section of scripture in Proverbs. The first nine chapters of Proverbs are, are written through the voice of wisdom, okay? And wisdom is saying in verse uh, 30 of chapter eight, this is what wisdom says. I was consistently at his side, Whose side? The father's side. And then he says this, I was filled with delight day after day. Now that word delight is enjoyment and pleasure. I was filled with enjoyment and pleasure day after day. Man, it's exactly what Jesus said. I came to not just give life, but to give life in abundance. And here wisdom is saying, when we hang out in the presence of God, we begin to delight in his presence. And then it goes on and says this, I was rejoicing always in his presence. That word rejoicing means laughing. It's only, when you look it up in the Hebrew, it says laughing. Meaning that we are to laugh in God's presence. That's not a mean God, is it? God wants us to laugh in his presence, not be afraid of his presence. For some of you, that's all you need to hear this morning. God wants you to laugh in his presence, not be afraid of his presence. And wisdom says, I was laughing in his presence. And then he says, rejoicing in his whole world. Again, it comes back to that laughing. And what it means here is that it is wise for us not to only enjoy the presence of God, but to enjoy the creation that God has given to us. You know, so oftentimes people in the church will look at people who love nature and go, oh, they're just a bunch of new age people. You know what? Part of our enjoyment of life comes from the created world that God gave us. We are to enjoy it, even when it's negative five. <laughs> rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. You want to be a person of joy, church? I, I, and this is how, it fin the next verse says this, now then my children, listen to me. Now then my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. What ways? 
laughing in the presence of God, laughing in the creation that is around us and enjoying the relationships that God puts into our lives, even the ones that are difficult. And when we do that, and when we step out in those things, we become people of joy. And so here's how I'll conclude. We're gonna sing joy to the world here in just a minute. They, they wanna sing joy to the world, JJ, so get ready. They're gonna, they're gonna join us in this. Sing it with this intent. Sing it with a prayer in mind that says, God, help me to be a person of joy. And open your heart and open your mind to the areas that he wants us to correct our right standing whether it's with him or whether it's other people. Because church, I believe this with all of my heart. When we begin to correct those things, you will have a peace that goes beyond your understanding, which then will help you to become people that have great joy as we head into Christmas. And you can truly enjoy celebrating the gift of Jesus Christ. So Heavenly Father, we come before you and we say thank you. Thank you so very much for your son, and for the gift that you have given to us. And we take this time right now to remind ourselves that you are not an angry God, but that you are a loving God and that you so loved us, you gave us this little baby Jesus. And we call upon him and we ask that he would come into our lives, not to give us just life, eternal life, but to give us enjoyment of life. And Lord, help us to be a people who truly enjoy life as we make ourselves available to you and we put ourselves in right standing with you and as we do that, we would then become open to hear how we need to be in right standing with others. And as we do that, Lord, I pray that you would fill our lives and our churches and our businesses and our neighborhoods and our families with such great joy. May we laugh like that lady in the car with Chewbacca on her face. Truly from the depths of our hearts, may we just enjoy Enjoy our life. And Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Lead us in joy of the world, JJ.